smells like that. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. You know what time we had a hail bomb? For 12 hours when it was all over, I walked up. We didn't find one of them, not one stinking dick body. Hi, this is Steve. This is Lisa. Uh, quick trivia, Lisa. What movie was that from? I'm going to go with Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Nailed it. What actor said that line? Oh, shoot. Oh, he's someone super famous, but he was very young. Is it Michael Douglas? No. Doing some editing here, and uh, the answer's Robert Duvall. We had some pretty serious sound issues when this was going on. Thanks. Yeah. Super famous line from Apocalypse Now. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Smells like victory. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, it's for me, one of the like, top ten movie, Apocalypse Now. It is a pretty incredible film. Freaking epic, man. Yeah. Fun trivia. It's based on the novella, The Heart of Darkness, by Joseph Conrad, which has nothing to do with Vietnam. It takes place in Africa. Really? Yeah. I knew, I, I knew actually it was associated with that book, but I guess I had missed out on the part that it actually wasn't even based on the war itself. Yeah, the whole concept is about the descent into darkness and craziness. Huh. So they just take like Joseph Conrad's like novel going down the Congo to um, the Mekong Delta during the Vietnam War for the movie. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's not that crazy, though. I mean, I feel like humans are you know, have patterns, and you can pick those out. And I feel like if you have situations where a lot of death and destruction is happening, there may very well be a very similar narrative. So, Absolutely. Makes sense. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway, folks, we're coming from you from our beautiful studio <laughs> in even more beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. Beautiful, indeed. sunny Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, special episode tonight. Um, I'll put it out there right now. It's about the Vietnam War. Um, this is a special dedication episode. To some very hardcore listeners that we love your support. This was specifically requested from my text bros, Louie, Kev, Greg, and Tim. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew you, yeah. you had told me what the topic was, which is not always the case. But I didn't realize that it had come from those guys. Yes. And it's interesting because when I was like young, like in middle school and high school, I was obsessed with the Vietnam War, probably because all those incredible movies about the Vietnam War right. existed. Yeah. So when they told me to do a podcast on the Vietnam War after I told them I didn't want to do cliche episodes, <laughs> I thought they were messing with me. Because huh. I thought that like every white kid had a period in their life where they were obsessed with Tupac Shakur and Vietnam War movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You may have been a cool kid, but that doesn't mean everyone was doing what you were doing. We didn't all have the exact same experience, <laughs> yeah, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, some background for our listeners. It's Saturday night, and this is what Lisa and I are doing. And we don't, yeah, it's awesome. It's fun. Um, but there's so much to talk about with the Vietnam War. There really is. So complex. I think what Lisa and I are going to start doing is we're just going to talk, man. We're just going to start freaking going for it. And then we might turn this into one episode, two episodes, or maybe even three. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. 
Oh, wow. So we're like gearing up for like a long-winded I Dude, session. I told you to get ready. I know, but you always are dramatic about things, so I can't really be <laughs> sure true. what's in store. Um, okay. Uh, I, yeah, no, I'm excited. I I don't know if I should admit this because it might, it might shoot me in the foot later, but I did actually take a course on the Vietnam War in college, so I have a little bit more understanding than I would have certainly prior because I knew very little before I took that. So I have some some understanding but it's been it's been a minute you should practice a little sensitivity and not talk about being shot in the foot during the video <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> all right starting off strong <laughs> starting off right. strong. but um this is where i actually wanted to start lisa you have been to vietnam several times i have i have been there once with you mm-hmm. shout out to our homie aaron as well yeah um showing us showing us around vietnam and hanoi and we had a great time mm-hmm. um lisa why don't you just tell people about Vietnam right now just like describe oh, Vietnam you've been there a lot oh, wow. modern day Vietnam's fine modern day Vietnam um, I think Vietnam is one of the most fascinating beautiful places I've ever been um, I went there first right after college um, for and I lived there for about three months outside um, the immediate city center of Hanoi um, how do I describe Vietnam it's 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 very diverse. Um, there's the south and the mid region and the north of the country are all very different. There is um, a very strong French influence more in the north. Um, the south kind of feels like a, a gritty, like at least Saigon. It's like a gritty Brooklyn in the '60s. Um, there's just there's so much and. I mean, the landscape is beautiful. The people are some of the most, like, like they're just so, they're so, it's very difficult to bother them. They, I, I love telling Steve the story where I was on this bus once and I knocked someone on the top of their head with the, with my elbow f- like five times in a row and they didn't even look up. It's just, it's very much, it's, it's, you know, everyone's doing their thing. They, they give you a lot of room for forgiveness and missteps and, um, just have a very beautiful culture. And I know I'm like rambling for way too long. Um, no, but that's kind of what I wanted. Okay. I wanted just like a good, insightful, like Lisa <laughs> ramble without her having time to prepare for it. All right. Well then there you have it. Um, uh, and also food delicious, Obviously. um, very yeah. affordable. Uh, and, and you feel the iconicness of it. I hate to use that word because that kind of puts a whole like Hollywood spin on it. But um if you've watched any of these big Vietnam films and then you go to the country, it's it's just like very it's such a thing to like see from the distance like a bunch of those palm trees and like and it's just so similar to some of those shots in Apocalypse Now and stuff. It's it's just incredible. So yeah, I'm done. <laughs> great. No, that was great. All right, you set the scene. That's what Vietnam is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You did a good job. Um let, let's get into the war stuff. Okay. Um I want to put out a, a, like a safety feel. I don't, I don't know how to put this. I would like to say this. Okay. I don't generally like war history. Okay. And like, especially like battles and tactics and stuff. Okay. And I feel like it's this like, I feel like I'm generalizing a lot of white dudes tonight and I don't mean <laughs> to be, but like white dudes, certain white dudes are like love 
war history. And they find out I was a history teacher and they want to talk like the Battle of the Bulge with me. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, I don't get that into war history. It's just not my, th- I don't, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, like war is the effect of the bigger picture, if yeah. that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. It's a tool for, yeah. Yeah. Please. Right. And, and so I don't get that into it. I don't think it's as historically important as a lot of people do. Oh, you don't think it's actually historically important? I'll give you a great example. Okay. Like we study and we study and we study World War One and World War Two, mm-hmm. but honestly, they are just the effect of globalism, industrialization, and imperialism in my mind. Those were the big pictures, right? The wars were just like the fight over that stuff. <laughs> Interesting. So, like, I don't... so you're saying that war is always an effect, not a cause. Yes. And that you're interested in the, the, the causal yes, history the, of the, the world. The bigger idea. Okay. I'm into, you know, scientific revolution, industrialization, <laughs> enlightenment, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the big picture stuff in my mind. Right. And I don't mean to be, and I'm going to probably have to say this like 10 times, I do not mean this in disrespect to any veterans or anything like that. It's just how I feel from a historical perspective. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say some things in this podcast that are like details that like some people listening are going to be like, Shut up, Steve. Like, it was this battle at this time, and it's pronounced this. And I'm going to be like, all right, well, okay, sorry, fine. But my point is going to be there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that we are going to leave the details to someone else. Yeah. And no, no, I The military. I, the military strategery. Yeah. No, is the, but the, like, the geopolitical elements and the ideology that push a lot of this stuff. Yes, yeah. that's what I will cover. Okay. All right. Now, let's just go right into it. Okay. All right. Very complex reasons why we entered the Vietnam War. Yeah. I'm going to start in 1955. Okay. Lisa, you mentioned it already. Ooh. What country was imperializing Vietnam in the 1950s? France. France, right. Yes. And like literally, it was like the stupidest French shit ever. Like they were literally butthurt from getting their asses whooped in World War II so badly that they wanted to like prove their military value and like literally invaded Indochina and took over Vietnam for no real reason. Yeah. And it was, Vietnam's history is just so complex and also upsetting. And before that they had been imperialized by China for, and Japan, and Japan Japan during the war, China before that. Yeah. Yes. And it's important to understand that. And sorry, I don't mean to be, you have so much more to share on the subject. I love it. Go ahead. Um, but it's just important to understand the context of of this kind of colonizing background because it was not just it, you know it's so the the Vietnamese spirit and how hard they fought against us is is well known you know and and people don't realize that that's rooted in literally thousands of years of not being able to ha- have their own country and their own freedom and so we were last in a very long line of oppressors and their resilience and their fortitude really makes a lot more sense when you see it in that bigger picture. Absolutely. Well said, mm. Lisa. Okay, so the French. Yes. All right. Their last stronghold is going to be in a little valley called Diem Bien Phu. Yes. I'll never forget that name in my mm. life. Mm. Um, and in that valley, they are going to lose. Yes. Okay, Ho Chi Minh. Yes. And his army called the Viet Minh mm-hmm. are going to... Kick out the Fun French. fact: In Vietnam, it's pronounced "ming," mm. almost like an "n." At the, or sorry, almost like a "g" at the end. "Ming," <clears throat> mm. yeah. Okay, all right, nice. Yeah. Um, they're gonna kick out the French, all right? Yeah. In 1955. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is going to upset the United States a little bit. Yes. Because what is the major global thing occurring in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and the beginning of the 90s? I'm guessing this is kind of like the, the butt-up of uh, capitalism versus uh, communism. Right. Or, which, you know, the U.S. versus Russia and the larger impact. Not Russia. Sorry, Soviet Union. Soviet, Soviet Union. Union. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what do we call that, Lisa? There's a very... The red wave. The cold wave? The what? Cold War. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Cold yeah, War, right? Cold War, yeah. Vietnam, what people don't realize, is something called a proxy war. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We were fighting Vietnam in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it was a bigger thing against China and, and Soviet Union and communism. Right. Yes. It was ideology. It was democracy versus communism. Yes. Good versus evil. Yes. Mm. Now, the French. Yes. That was tongue in cheek. Yes, it was. Right. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> Just to be clear. No, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> I was like willing the audience to believe that, but I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Um, okay. well, yeah, so when the French, they're a democracy, they're our ally. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're very, as we've learned in earlier podcasts, you know, they're very similar to our structure. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Yeah. And they leave, so the United States is like, this isn't good because that was like our, our sort of like a help that we were finally receiving. Yeah, they were viewing them as like, you know, holding down the fort in yes. terms of, uh, yeah, government ideology. Where they weren't holding down the fort was, was in Dien Bien Phu. Yeah. No, they, they literally lost the fort. Those idiots built it in a valley. So, I know. <laughs> like it's deep in a valley and like any idiot knows in military tactics, you always take higher ground. Yeah, you take higher ground. For some reason, the French were like, this is going to be a dope-ass fort in this valley. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, if you don't have any of that background, like, the valley sounds nice. Yeah. So at least they have, like, good taste overall. They're just, sure, like, where sure. do I want to lounge? Talk like, about good taste. Vietnamese food and French food with that French... The combo? Oh, Unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, like, this sounds horrible, but, like, if... I'm going to see this as a silver lining. Their occupation, our occupation, terrible for humanity, for a lot of people involved. But there was some great food fusion that came out of it. That does sound terrible. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Thought so. But I mean, you use the phrase silver lining, so that, that lets you off the hook. I just, I am a big silver lining person. Yeah. Like, when things upset me, I just like really focus on like what good may have came from it. Think about it this way. Mm. Just because you said that, it like doesn't take away from the fact that those occupations happened. So at least we have this, you know? Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. Mm. It's like, at least you get a sandwich. Let's get back to the Cold War. Let's, please, yeah. I gotta get out of this, this whole idea. Doug? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So. All right. We are fighting a non-violent war against the Soviet Union. Yeah, because it's cold we, as hell. Uh, yeah, sure. We adopt a policy called the domino theory. Mm-hmm. And our, what we, the United States military states... Is you that, need to repeat yourself. You can't burp in the middle of a sentence and expect them to understand true, what you're saying. True, 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 true. Right. So we legitimately adopt a policy called the domino theory. The United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is a theory that if one country, let's say the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. turns communist, mm-hmm. then a bunch of other countries are going to, around them are going to turn communist right. and start knocking down all the dominoes. Yes, yeah, like it's contagious. In, like the measles. Yeah. But to be fair, it sounds a little ridiculous, but it was kind of accurate. The Soviet Union turned communist mm-hmm. right next to China, which then turned communist. Mm-hmm. And then all the Korea, North Korea had a China mm-hmm. communist movement, mm-hmm. and we all know very well what happened there. Yeah. 
Maybe we don't. Maybe we need to do an episode on Korea. I actually think we should because that war is probably talked about the least of all the ones that Kisopek placed in our recent. Yeah, it is yeah. called the Forgotten War for a reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then like all of, like communism started moving east, mm-hmm. you know, like Belarus, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, mm-hmm. you know, Ukraine. Like it was spreading. Kazakhstan, Armenia, it was really spreading from Soviet Union. Right. But to be fair, you know, word got out a little more slowly, so. You know, it's just if, if the internet was wrong. Fair about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know, you're like, you know, you gotta just you go to your neighbor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But anyway, so we have the domino theory. That's that's our that's a theory, and we're sticking to it. Right. And we're freaking out. Yes. Freaking out. So, Vietnam was the next domino. Yeah. Okay. And we thought that the French held it down, and the French did not hold it down. Yeah, the French let us down big time. So the other thing that happened in 1955 that was huge is that a guy named Diem, I cannot pronounce his first and middle name. Um, it's like, okay. I don't, I'm not even going to do it. I'm just going to say Diem. Okay. Right? So Diem was basically a democratic puppet f- put into power by Americans. Oh, this is the guy in the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. South Vietnam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's, have, yeah, we held the puppet regime there for a while. Right. And we have Ho Chi Minh in the North. Yep. We have Diem in the South. Yes. The South is, let's say this, like, more democratic. They have to, yeah. Nationalistic. Yeah. Whereas in the North is, like, full-on communist and under the role of Ho Chi Minh. Are we going to go over any of Ho Chi Minh's ideology and where he got it from? Are you talking about how Ho Chi Minh loves the United States of America? Yes, and loves Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. So he actually quotes Abraham Lincoln yes. on his victory speech when the French yes. leave. The, yes. It, the irony is so profound. I mean, he worshipped our country and we set out to destroy him and demonize him. It's incredible. Well, I, I think we need to explain why, where this comes from. Because like, I think in our the rhetoric in our country is... Communism and democracy are total opposites, mm. and the United States and the Soviet Union are total opposites. Yeah. And that might be true now and what has happened, yeah. like during the Cold War. But if you think about the goals of democracy and the goals of communism, it is literally all about equality and rule of the people. Yes. However, how you achieve those goals is like totally different. Yes. But if you if you step out of Cold War mentality America, mm-hmm. you can totally see why someone like Ho Chi Minh would look at the United States and be like, these people get it. They right. want rule by the people, and I want rule for my people. Right. So it's it it sounds like such an irony, but it's really it's really not if you break it down. It is, yeah. And he and Ho Chi Minh was like if I remember correctly, like, was even more progressive than a lot of the United States at the time. He was, like, very into, like, um, gender equality in a mm. way that people weren't really talking about at that time in the States. Um, it's, it's just really, it's just really incredible. Ho Chi Minh is a fascinating dude. He really was. He we have really propaganda was. of Ho Chi Minh in our house. We do, our D, yeah. Our, our DC once you go studio. to Vietnam, yeah, they know that yeah. the, the white people love that propaganda poster stuff. So. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. they it's know, hard they not know to what buy. we like. Yeah, it is and they hard give not it to, to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, come on, to see to see a, like a real poster of like Nixon's like cartoon evil face. Like, I mean, yeah. it's really kind of freaky. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's great. Um. So let's keep talking dates. Okay. Okay. So the next huge date mm. 
-hmm. for the Vietnam War conflict yeah. is 1961. Okay. Yes. Who's president of the United States? Trivia. JFK. Nailed it, Lisa. What did JFK do for Vietnam? What did he do? Ooh, um, okay. I feel like there that was some kind of... Oh, my God. There was a bay. Um, there was a water... You're thinking of the Bay of Pigs, but that's Cuba. And that's no, 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 I'm not thinking of Bay of Pigs. Um, oh, you're thinking of the Gulf of Tonkin, maybe? Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I wasn't actually going to talk about the Gulf of Tonkin. Okay. We probably should. Let's talk about the Gulf of Tonkin. Okay, I don't really have much that. I just, I just remember something very significant happening there that had to do with the start of the war. Some kind of ship <clears throat> being... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was some kind of like, overt aggression. Yes. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. Yeah. After World War II is when the United States becomes like the global military presence that we are now. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we were doing is patrolling around Vietnam and all over Asia because of the Japanese and because of the spread of communism. Mm -hmm. So we were all over those international waters in mm -hmm. Asia. And we had a battleship that was on the outside of Vietnam, outskirts of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And we'd had our eye on them ever since the French had left, right? Right. And what basically we did, this is, this is real, this has been like declassified information. Yeah. We had our battleships in the Gulf of Tonkin break, um, you know, rules of international war or whatever, and yeah. go way too close to Vietnam. Yeah. Vietnam retaliated by firing missiles at us. Yeah. And then we used the sinking of that ship in the Gulf of Tonkin to send combat forces to Vietnam. Yes, yeah, almost like they used the confrontation as an excuse to escalate the war. Yes. That was it. Yeah. I am getting two things mixed up here, though. You, okay. you did this to me. How dare you? How dare I? That doesn't happen until 65. Okay. Oh, it 61 is something different. Okay. All right. JFK is going to send in the Green Berets. Okay. Green Berets are special forces. Okay. And a lot of people, a lot of historians mark the Green Berets going into Vietnam as the real Actual start. Actual real start. Okay. Yeah. And what the Green Berets did is stuff that it should sound very familiar because we do this all the time in the Middle East now. 400 like special forces, Green Berets, we send them into Vietnam mm -hmm. to act as quote unquote like special advisors to the South Vietnamese army. Okay. And that's basically training them in American tactics because we have the best trained soldiers in the world and like how yeah. to fight and like they're doing real fighting and missions on themselves, like top secretly and shit like that. Yeah. Um, however, what is really important here mm -hmm. is that JFK mm -hmm. was anti going to war in Vietnam. Yes, he was. He was the least warmongering of all the presidents that succeeded him. Right. He, he did not want to go there at all. Yeah. Um, can I back up to make a really funny point? <laughs> sure. That one of my professors made to me at Miami that I thought was like so ridiculous. <laughs> In the Cold War, we were so obsessed with stopping the spread of communism. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, mm -hmm. if communism was that bad, it would have imploded on itself anyway. Right. And if it wasn't bad, and it was successful, who cares anyway? Right. So what were we doing? Yeah. Granted, that guy was definitely a former hippie, but it was an interesting point. <laughs> All professors are. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. It's interesting. I mean, most decisions that humans make are pretty self-defeating at the end of the day, unfortunately. Right. 
Anyways, okay, so um, you're saying that JFK didn't want to go to war. Yeah, he was very hesitant about it all. Yeah, but then he, he he saw like this should also sound pretty familiar. He saw no exit strategy. Right. He thought it would be like a total cluster. Right. He'd be like, what's uh, our goal? A quagmire. Yes, is sure. What they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Quagmire. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my Kennedy impression. How is that? Florida quite Quagmire. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. No, kind of. Dude, I'm sounding like I'm straight from Cape Cod. No, no. I'm nailing that. No. I'm nailing that. You're from like an embarrassing part of New York. Qu- Quagmire. <laughs> Shut it down, Steven. Shut it down. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, yeah, so he's not a dude, but something really major happens to him. What happened to him, Lisa? He is killed. Where is he killed? Trivia. In Texas? Yes, Dallas, Dallas Texas. Nice, yeah. look at you. Ooh, ooh. 1963, poor JFK. Yeah, only two years in office. First Catholic president. Oh, he... Gets got. Yeah, only two years in power. Such a legacy. So much potential. People always remember potential. Mm-hmm. People will... I mean, feel like it's the most traumatic thing is to lose potential. True. And I think that's why he is just so etched in our collective memory. Anyways... I said that because my Vietnam history professor loved saying that. He was like, he loved talking about like the collective memory and like the collective feeling towards something. But like, I never thought about it until he said it. And I was like, you're right. Like there is a collective feeling about Vietnam, right? I mean, there are ways that like the country and society paints these things for you. It's really interesting. Anyways, I've backtracked us. us, us You've never, you've never backtracked us a moment in your life. (laughs) Not a moment. I thought, I thought so, but I'm glad that you <laughs> countered me on my one doubt. Um, okay, so he's assassinated. Yes. So, so the worst thing that could have happened in Vietnam mm-hmm. actually happened in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Because when he got assassinated, LBJ took yeah. over. And he was much more hawkish. He was. Yeah. I, I do have to say this for LBJ. Mm-hmm. Incredible domestic president. Mm-hmm. Horribly mishandled Vietnam. Yeah. Um, oh, there it is. LBJ episode coming up. Yeah, I would love to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in 1965, they did the whole bullshit thing with the Gulf of Tonkin. And then yes, officially... that was it. That was it. Because yeah. that was more his style was the, you know, the purposeful uh, stir-upper. Yeah, sure. Shit Black. kicker. <laughs> Looking for a little, something a little bit more elegant, but no, dude. sure, yeah. Shit kicker. All right, shit kicker. Everybody knows that phrase. I'm well. <laughs> um, now, 1965, we were officially sent like boots on the ground, like forces. Yeah. Okay. Um, things get really intense. 1968, 1969, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of young Americans are fighting in Vietnam War yes. with no end in sight. Yes. And the, are we going to talk at all about the draft? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to finish the timeline. Okay, I was just curious. Right. Um, so, then we get, Nixon takes over, he is going to use less forces, but he's going to use something called shock and awe, yes. which we will talk about. Yes. Um, and then the war we are going to pull out in 1973. Yes. And that's just our timeline. We're going to do plenty more details. Okay, fair. Um, but let's start talking... You mentioned the draft. Yeah. And we definitely need to talk about the reaction at home in the United States. Yes. 
But I also really want to talk about the style of fighting mm-hmm. because the juxtaposition of what we were doing versus what the Vietnamese were doing is like really yeah. fascinating as well. Totally. Do you want to talk about style of fighting first or do you want to talk about... Um, hey, it's your, it's your show. I'm just asking questions. Whatever you want to go. Okay, well, we've been doing this pretty intensely. We're going to take like a break. I'm going to hit pause. We don't usually do this. This is a rare occurrence. Mm. But like if we're going to go for like a marathon, I'm going to hit pause and we're going to decide. And then we're going to come back at these guests. This would be a great opportunity to um, insert a commercial if anyone ever wanted to, (laughs) I don't know, you know, advertise something on our podcast. Just saying. Uh, Coming back. Okay, we're back. And actually, we thought of something else we need to talk about first before we talk about the style of fighting. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about who we were fighting in Vietnam. Yeah. Because it's not just as simple as we were fighting the Vietnamese. No, it was not at all. Um, it was a bit of a civil war. It was. I wouldn't say it was a bit of one. I would say it, it was one. And we were fighting for one side, the United States. Yeah. Right, so... It was a bit. We were taking a bit of the civil war. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. So there's a civil war in a very, very simplified sense of the North versus the South. Yes. Communist versus nationalist slash Democrats. Kind of. Again, it's very nuanced. Mm -hmm. But we went over there to fight for the South. Yes. We are fighting alongside of Southern Vietnamese people. Mm -hmm. Right? However, we are also fighting Vietnamese people that were Northern communists, still called the Viet Minh. Or the Viet Minh? Yeah, Viet Minh. Viet Minh. Yeah, we'll never... You literally have to grow up speaking Vietnamese or you will never get the tones yeah. right. It's ext- They have like 18 different sounds for A. It's crazy. Yeah. And then they'll like... Sorry, just one little bit. They'll like hear like the difference between an American accent and like a British accent. And they'll get so confused because it's actually our vowels that are different. And so to them, when a vowel is different, like an entire word and meaning is different... And so they like, it's so hard for them to comprehend that like, they're like, that's, it can be bath and puff. And you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what? Yes. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's fascinating stuff. Language <laughs> is fascinating. It is, yeah. Um, so we are fighting the Viet Minh, Ming, Ming, Ming yeah. alongside of the, the southern Vietnamese. Yes. Okay. But there was also another sect of people called the Viet Cong. Yes. And the Viet Cong were the southerners that were pro-Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. in communism. Exactly. And it was really the Viet Cong who were giving us the most fits. Right, and that's why they're kind of more well-known. That term is more right. known. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we would have more traditional battles with the Viet Minh where it was the crazy-ass guerrilla warfare shit that the Viet Cong were right. killing us with that exactly. was really messing everything up. Exactly. Um, now, part of the problem was that the Viet Cong, mm-hmm. during the day, they'd be in South Vietnam, just on their rice paddy, going about their business. Yeah, they totally blended. Right? And then by night, though, mm-hmm. they would go hide in a damn tree with a yeah. assault rifle, and Americans would walk by and they'd start shooting them. It could be the same dude who was in his rice paddy a couple hours earlier. It, it was like very much, it was impossible to tell who was who. Right, it was very unnerving. You yeah. Know, surrounded by the enemy, never knowing. 
and there is like a certain level of like um racial recognition where you know obviously american soldiers didn't want to kill southern vietnamese soldiers right. so with the southern vietnamese they started wearing i think it was blue i mean it doesn't really matter but they started mm-hmm. wearing a certain handkerchief around them so american soldiers knew not to kill them mm-hmm. then of course the Viet Cong figured that out so then they would wear those handkerchiefs right. and then they would just shoot the americans right. Right. so it was like it was terrifying stuff all around oh yeah yeah it was it was, a, it was an awful awful place to be um the tactics the Viet Cong used was also it was insane because they were using such primitive measures to mm-hmm. kill or maim or at least get in the heads of americans mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through a couple of things they used to do. Okay. That's just crazy shit. Okay. Right? Um, American walking through the jungle mm-hmm. could fall yeah. through like a trap covered by leaves and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And fall through and spikes of like just sharpened from basic mm-hmm. bamboo. Right. Basically a free weapon would stab and pierce the skin of the legs of American soldiers. Mm-hmm. And not only that... They, they break their leg and pierce the skin. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had been uh, covered in feces. Yes, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, so they'd get infected. Yeah, yeah, so they would literally like take a shit on the, the spears. Yeah. So then the cut would get infected, and there's no doubt in their mind that they were going, that they would be totally ineffective mm-hmm. as soldiers anymore. Yeah. Another well, thing they used to do. Oh, sorry. Sorry, there was no doubt in their mind they would be totally ineffective. Well, I mean, it's like one thing if you fell in and it, like, stabbed your chin. No, sorry, yeah. You yeah, I think you just, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, okay. Um, another thing they used to do, super cheap, cost almost nothing. They figured out a way to set bullets mm-hmm. in these little tiny wood boxes. Mm-hmm. And they basically were just, like, very primitive landmines. Where you can walk through the jungle again, you don't see it. All that's pointing out is like the top of a bullet, mm-hmm. and you'd step on it, and it was like bungeed to the wow. the, the wood box in a certain way. They would just fire up into the foot. Never heard that. Wow. Yeah. Like, Jeez, that's so. I mean, it's awful. It's also so ingenuitive. Like. Yeah, I mean, if you have, you're fighting a war against a much wealthier nation. No, no, people are. Yeah, people can be very resourceful. Right. Ugh. Um, the other thing they would do is more with um, sort of spears of bamboo. They would always set them behind hills, and then all it would take is one or two Viet Cong firing a couple rounds to send Americans running in a certain direction, and they run for cover. Uh-huh. So they jump behind a hill, so like, like they jump under it so they can turn around and have cover. Am I doing that visual properly? Yeah. So like a little... You know, like a four-foot drop. Yeah. A four-foot drop would be perfect. You would jump down there, yeah. and then you'd turn around and fire the enemy. Yeah. Well, they figured that out, so they would put a bunch of covered-up spikes, and when they would jump into the four-foot drop, they, would get they were again hitting those spikes. Yeah. That's again, awesome. all this stuff is, like, totally free. Right, free, low-tech, yeah. Yeah. Finally, the last thing we need to talk about the Viet Cong were famous for were those tunnels. Yes. Have you ever seen their tunnels? Um, pictures of. Oh. Very famous Forrest Gump scene actually around those tunnels. Mm-hmm. Um, the size difference between an American and the Vietnamese was incredible. Yeah. I mean, picture like no, I know a Wisconsin lineman, <laughs> where there are plenty of, 
going to the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and they're walking through the jungle, and you have this horribly malnourished Vietnamese dude. They were so much smaller. They were able to use it to their advantage by building... To be these... fair, they weren't all, like, terribly mal- malnourished. They just were small. I mean, they were just, like, a, a civilization that hadn't eaten, like, foods that gave them huge height, like the Dutch Ooh. and the fish. Well, right, but maybe malnourishment's the wrong word, but, like, when your main source of food for thousands of rice, years is yeah. rice, you're right. not going to get very big. You're just big. small. You're just small. Yeah, there's not right. enough, there's not as much nutrient. Yeah, no, no, I know, but they're, yeah. Yeah, but, like, so they have those tunnels that they can crawl through, and you can shoot a couple of shots at American soldiers and run back into the tunnel, and Americans could barely, they could, you know, squeeze themselves through those tunnels. Yeah. And then... That would be a horrible, terrifying situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they had whole, like, living rooms and shit in those tunnels. Yeah. Like, they would they would be huge when they were dug in, but it was, like, a really tiny entrance getting in there, and they would stay in there for, like, days. Yeah, they, they did some crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Very resilient. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We're going to cut it off here just because of timing reasons. Um, We'll pick right back up in the middle of this in Vietnam 2. My name is Steve, and I was a history teacher. My name is Lisa, and I married him.